Thank you, Fred. Last week when I finished up on the cross and we talking about applying the cross, living by the cross, I, I said today we would turn our attention to Christmas. Carolyn reminded me that at Anglicans, you, you begin Christmas on the eve of Christmas. Before that, I, so since we're all Baptists now, we're going to fudge a little bit <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and do it today. Being a pastor for over 40 years put me, always put me in a position to minister to people when their lives were hit by events and experiences that rattled them or disrupted them. I call those things life, uh, life-shaking events. And it was interesting as a pastor to watch those things. Inevitably, when they happened at Christmas, and it could be anything, it was an endless list. You know, it could be the death of a loved one. It could be the loss of a job. It could be a diagnosis, any, any of those things. But I noticed that when they happened at Christmas, it always intensified the pain. I couldn't explain that, but I observed it. It was true. And I would always hear them add to their hurt. And it happened, it had to happen right here at Christmas. And I realized that the pain of the events were intensified. And so one Christmas, in order to provide some comfort to those that were in those types of experiences and also to provide a biblical perspective on that type of a life, I did a series called Shaken. And the, the concept came from a snow globe. And uh, you've seen the snow globe. Many of you probably have the snow globe. It simply is a globe with water with, with flying pieces in it that we call snow. But this is a great illustration for a shaken life. And not only that, it is a great tool for teaching lessons about what happens to us or the perspective that we need to have when our lives are shaken. And actually, there are three views. There are three perspectives that I want to talk about this morning. And it's, the first is the perspective from inside the globe. What happens if you're inside the globe and your life is being shaken? And then there is the perspective of being on the outside and looking at it. And then there is the perspective above, which I move away from the human plane and I talk about God. God's view of this. So if you're inside the globe, this is your life. There's a tendency to be disillusioned. It's like driving in the snow. You can't see. You're distracted. It's painful. But if you happen to be on the outside and you look at the globe, those pieces are no longer distracting. They're a thing of beauty. As someone would say, they literally make the scene. But then if you're God and you're above, the perspective that he has is that his purpose is being fulfilled because the snow globe is made for shaking. If you watch people when they go into a store and they see a snow globe before they buy it, or even if they're not going to buy it, if they walk by it, they'll pick it up and shake it. The purpose of a snow globe is to be shaken. And there is a purpose of God in the snow globe. 
And so I want to look at these three perspectives. I want to look at the perspective from being in the globe, the perspective from being an observer outside of the globe, and then the perspective of God as he views that which is intended to be shaken. And I would begin with a question. Are you okay for your life to be shaken? Or do you feel that you are where you want to be and where you want to stay spiritually? No changes need to happen. I'm okay the way I am. I prefer it just like it is. Would you be willing to be shaken if you believe that it would bring you to a greater intimacy with the Father? It would deepen you spiritually. You know, if that question had been posed to Mary and Joseph, I wonder what their answer would have been. I can tell you this, if they had chosen not to have been shaken, they probably would have gone on in their engagement and then settled in the Nazareth and had a normal life, and we would have never heard from them. We would have never heard of them. I believe God would have continued his purpose of salvation, but he would have used someone else. Are we willing to be shaken? And I want us to understand that when we talk about a life being shaken, I am literally talking today about the sovereignty of God who has the right over our lives to shake them. I'm not talking about somebody experiencing a shaking in their life because of their sin, but that happens. We see it every day in the papers. I'm not talking about somebody's life being shaken because of somebody else's sin. We see that every day in the papers as well. You simply are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm talking about the sovereign work of God, that he literally would shake you or allow you to be shaken for a good purpose. His purposes are always good. Because Mary, the scripture says, was highly favored. It wasn't her sin. And her engaged one, Joseph, the scripture says, was righteous. We're not talking about their sin. We're talking about a sovereign work of God in their lives. So let's begin with the first perspective. When life is shaken, what does it look like from inside the globe? Well, you can tell. I don't know if you can see it from back there, but you, you know what's happening in there. Have you ever driven in snow? <laughs> you, you, I mean, you are totally disillusioned. Uh, you don't know what in the world is taking place. And when that happens, when that happens in our lives, folks, it's when we lose perspective. We really don't know what's taking place. We cannot see the forest for the trees. And this is when we usually cry out why, which is the wrong question. And we get angry at God. And the relationship that we have with God is threatened. It is jeopardized because of what we're going through. I want to tell you this morning, and it's, and it's going to happen, when you get shaken and the pieces are flying about you, when the shaking takes place, the very next thing that you do is critical, is absolutely critical. 
And what you cannot do and what we must not do is focus on the flying pieces. But by faith, we have got to understand what God is seeking to do in our lives. And the scripture speaks to that. I'll share several with you. We read one a moment ago in James chapter 1. Count it or consider it, listen to this, pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The scripture says here that it isn't a matter of if we're going to be shaken, the scripture says when it happens. And it says when that happens, what you do next is very significant and you must count or consider it. That is a settled conviction. I settle right now, I have a conviction in my heart that God is working his good purpose in my life. Romans 8, 28, you're familiar with that, aren't you? And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love that passage because right before that, Paul is talking about what we don't know. He said there are times when we don't know what to pray for, and so we need the help in the intercession of the Holy Spirit. And then he immediately says, but we know. You see, that's the perspective that you've got to have when the pieces are swirling. It isn't a matter of guessing. It's a matter of knowing. I know that my God is good and my God has good purposes. And so I know that he is working good to me because I love him and because I have been called according to his purposes. And there's some metaphors in the scripture too that speak to that. A metaphor of discipline, a metaphor, metaphor of refining, a metaphor of pruning. It says in Hebrews 12, God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. What's the outcome of that? It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. He talks about refining in 1 Peter, and he says that it may prove your faith genuine. And then you know the passage in John 15 when it talks about pruning. Whenever there's a branch in my life that does not produce fruit, he lobs it off. Where there is a branch that is producing fruit, the Scripture says that he prunes it, thus making me more fruitful. I will tell you, discipline is no fun at the time that it's happening, and that's exactly what the text says. And certainly refining is not a process that you want to experience. Neither pruning. I've had grapevines, and when you prune them, they, it's, an, it's a drastic action. But the Scripture says all of these things, when God is doing this, all of this is taking place for our good. And so when the shaking starts and you say, this isn't fair, God doesn't love me anymore, you're walking by sight. 
But when the shaking starts and you let the truth of the Word of God give you the perspective that you need, you can say, God is working His good purpose in my life. And I think that happened with Mary and Joseph. Here's a, here's a couple that's absolutely devastated. They're in a scandal. The pieces are flying everywhere. But the angel comes to Mary and says, the one that you will bear is great and will be called the Son of God. Folks, that'll settle the perspective. And the angel appeared to Joseph and it says, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the child that the virgin will bear will be called Emmanuel. God with us, that settles the perspective. I will say to you this, a shaken life is not for naught. Remember that. A shaken life is not for naught. God is working in the midst of that, his good purpose. But there's another perspective. It's when you're on the outside. And when you're on the outside, the pieces that are flying are not disillusioning. They're, they're beautiful. That is an absolutely beautiful scene. And I will say to you, when you're being shaken and I'm being shaken, somebody's watching. And what God wants to happen in that moment is for you to be a blessing and an encouragement to them as you walk by faith and trust that he is doing a good work in your life. And I've seen people like that. I can't tell you the number of times that I went to minister to somebody in the home, in the hospital, in grief, or in trouble, in tragedy, in sadness. I walked out absolutely inspired. I walked out ashamed that I had grumbled at what I was experiencing because I just saw the beauty of a life in front of me trusting God, and I was encouraged. I'm sure you've heard of Chuck. Chuck Colson died in 2012, I think. But as a pastor, I used to read Break, uh, break uh, what is his name, uh, Breakpoint every, every day. Of course, he was tied up in the Nixon affair, you know, with Watergate, and he went to prison, which he said was the greatest thing that ever happened to him, the testimony of being shaken, from which came a great prison ministry, and not only that, but his salvation. You see what God is doing. But I would read Breakpoint every day because, <clears throat> because of his political background and because of his biblical perspective. It was, I just loved the the perspective that he gave. But you know, it was, it was when I realized that Chuck Colson was put into a globe and shaken that his life and his ministry spoke to me more than anything. It was because of a situation that I was in personally in my own life. I picked up the book one day, The Faith, 
which is a book about him, about his life. And in that book, he talked about having an autistic grandson. And he said some things about that, but that was not the only part. He went on to say that in one year, his son was diagnosed with cancer of the spine. His daughter was diagnosed with melanoma. His wife was having serious surgery, and the ministry was in dire straits. And as I read, as I read about this man's shaking, it did something for me right when I needed it. It was no longer just a man out there somewhere having a ministry, but it was a believer and a shaken experience. And God used that to speak to me and strengthen me. It was a beautiful testimony of a man believing God. You know, there is something, people who have been shaken have an unidentifiable something about them. Do you know that? And when I'm shaken, I want to talk to somebody that's been shaken. And when I'm shaken, I want to talk to somebody who's walked through it. I want them to pray for me. Not that I don't want others to pray for me, but I want them to pray for me because there is something special about their life. There's something deep about their life. Unfortunately, that may not always be the case, is that when somebody is shaken, it's a beautiful scene from those of us that are watching, and we are really, they're used by God to inspire us and encourage us. Unfortunately, we can get bitter. <clears throat> we can withdraw. And people will say, I, I don't want to be around them anymore. That's sad, isn't it? Because God wants us in the moments of shaking to have his perspective so that literally you can be a blessing in the midst of your shaking to somebody else. And I will say to you again, a shaken life is not for naught. It is not for naught. But then there's the perspective from above. <laughs> I remember the morning that I, I was preaching on um, shaken one of the weeks. They didn't tell me to after the service. I was up there doing this, and the people on the front row were horrified. They just knew I was going to drop it and break it or throw it near them. <clears throat> and they were scared to death. They said, you can't believe how you scared us this morning. I got a good grip on this. I want to tell you, God has a good grip on your life. When you're being shaken, he is in no way going to drop you or have you broken. But he has a good purpose to achieve. As I said to you a moment ago, the purpose of a snow globe is to be shaken. To be shaken. And God knows that. And there's going to be a shaking of our lives. And when he does that, he does it for several reasons. He achieves several things. I like this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all of our troubles and all of our issues so we can comfort those in their comfort, in their troubles. The word praise there in Greek is eulogize. Do you understand that when the shaking starts, the Bible tells us to eulogize, eulogize God? You know what that means. Speak well of him. We don't say, what is he doing? He doesn't understand what he's doing to me. He is a bad guy. No. You speak well of him. And you understand that he comforts. He didn't promise us that he would not shake us. He promised us that he would comfort us in our shaking. It's like a dad that grabs his son when he's getting ready to have a medical procedure. The medical procedure has to take place for the good of the child, but you grab him and you comfort him and you console him and he's shaking. But the text says there, comfort, comfort is a Latin word, cum fortis. It, when God comforts you, he comes with such strength in that comfort that it overflows so that you can comfort somebody else. I remember having a professor at seminary. He was from Australia, and he was there only for the semester. And he said to us one day in class, he said, boys, thank God for your tears because God is going to use them in your life to comfort other people. And he told us the story that day. He said, I remember knocking on the door one, one afternoon of a young couple in our church that had lost a child. And he said to me as he cracked the door and saw that I was there, he said, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with the church. I don't want anything to do with God. A God who would let an innocent child die. And he said, son, I know your grief and I know your pain because we've lost two. And he said, the door slowly opened. Access. Because the comfort that he gave me is the comfort that I'm able to pass on. And there are people in those situations that have been shaken. God has comforted them, and now they come to you and they say, you can make it. I've been where you are, and you can make it. But I think it's also, the Scripture says, to bring a greater in intimacy to us with him. When Paul says in Philippians, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And I want to know his fellowship and his suffering. I wish I could explain that fully. That's deep stuff. But Paul knew that in a shaking, God had a purpose for him to come deeper and deeper into fellowship with him. And when it comes, folks, understand that when God wants, when God shakes, he wants there to be a glorification of himself. Isn't it interesting that when the shepherds departed from the scene of a shaken couple, 
that they said, the scripture says, they departed glorifying God for all they had seen and all they had heard. That's the purpose of it, to bring him glory. And I think that he also wants to do it so he can double our blessings. He can pour blessings into us. As the scripture says in Luke, shaken down and, and, and running over. I got six grandsons. And um, when they come to our house, you know, they play with the toys that we had when our kids were coming along. And one of the toys is uh, Tinker Toys, Lincoln Logs. We, we didn't have Le- Legos back then. We had Tinker Toys. And so every one of them would get out the Tinker Toys at some point, and when they're little, they have no intention and don't know how to play with Tinker Toys. All they want to do is just dump them out. <laughs> and so when they dumped them out, I would have to teach them, mm, you've got to put them back in the can. I've got one more to go. He's two and a half. He'll dump them out. He's got to be trained. But when they tried to put them back in the can, they didn't fit. All of them didn't fit. So I always teach them how to take the can and gently shake it. And when you gently shake it, the pieces rearrange themselves. Then you can get them all back in the can. That's what God's doing with your life. He takes it and he shakes it a little bit, but the scripture says it's for an increase the capacity of receiving blessings. I say it again. Shaken life is not for naught. And it's interesting when you take Jesus and you think about his life in relation to this. He was no stranger to the globe. In fact, he's in here <laughs> in the scene. Jesus got in the globe. He got into our world by the incarnation. And he experienced exactly what I'm talking about. I've never been to heaven, neither you, because we're alive. Haven't seen firsthand the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God there. But I know one thing, leaving that and coming to the sin ravages of the world was quite a change. And he humbled himself, became a man, and went even to the cross. And you're talking about rejection. You're talking about betrayal. You're talking about crucifixion. You're talking about shaking like we have never been shaken. And what happened? In the midst of it, he did not lose his perspective, but he trusted his father. And the scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured that pain. That's why he becomes, as that text says, he is the one that is to be the author and finisher of our faith. Look to him. He's our example. And when people looked at his life, It was a mixed review, wasn't it? Sadly. Some looked at him. The scripture says he came to his own and they, they rejected him. But then there were some that saw him as the glory of God, full of grace and truth. When I, when I saw 
the Christ shaken in my life. I remember the Sunday in, 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 in the service when it hit me what Christ had done for me. I saw him as the beautiful Savior who offered life and hope and forgiveness. And to those of us who have received him, we have become the children of God. From the purpose of God, we understand that God was fulfilling his word in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 when he said, one day from the seed of woman, victory's going to come. And there's going to be a crushing of the head of the serpent. And death and Satan and sin are going to be defeated, fulfilled. And also, what God was accomplishing in that moment was showing the expression of his love and his purpose. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in it and through it, he was glorified. Jesus said, Father, I want you to be glorified. And the Father said, I have been, and I will be again. Shaking is not for naught. And as James says to us, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And what I want to say to you this morning is that when it hits, and when it comes, what you do next is critical. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promises you give us so that we can count, consider, and know when we have a tendency to lose our perspectives. Thank you that you're a good God who always is working a good purpose in our lives. And I pray in the midst of our shaking, we will trust you. And we will be a blessing and an encouragement and a testimony to others. And whatever you want to achieve in our lives, being shaken, will be achieved. Your purposes will be recognized. In Jesus' name, amen.